Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Uh, here's what I want to do this morning. If you have a Bible or if you have a phone that has the Bible on it, I'd love for you to just open up to uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians. Uh, we're going to look at the first 10 verses of chapter 6 this morning. So Galatians 6, 1 through 10. And uh, here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you about two kinds of generosity. And it's uh, straight from Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 10. Two kinds of of generosity. I want to talk about kingdom generosity a little bit this morning. Uh, but before we do that, I want to just maybe backtrack a little bit about what we've been up to so far this year here at the Vineyard. Uh, in the first quarter this year, we're, we're mostly kind of like digging into our history uh, and digging into our roots uh, as, a, as a church here in Campbellsville, Kentucky. So uh, to open up the year, we, um, we did a series about what is the kingdom of heaven or what is the kingdom of God? Uh, we did an entire month in January just looking at one chapter in the Bible, just Matthew chapter 13, and we just started looking at all the parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom of heaven. And, and then we, the reason we did that is because this church, uh, we just feel very connected and very called and very centered and rooted in the central message of Jesus, which is the kingdom of God. And in the last two years, of just all the things that have happened, uh, the world has been turned upside down. There's been a fair amount of disruption um, at basically any institution you can think of in people's lives. And as a result, the church who's here this morning and in the room is quite different than the church who was with us two years ago. And this is pretty normal across the board, just in churches. There's just been a big reshuffling. And a lot of people have been asking, why do y'all talk so much about the kingdom of heaven at the vineyard? And so we wanted to spend an entire month saying, well, this is why, and this is what that kingdom thing is that we're talking about. So that's what we did in January. Then here in February, we've been digging a little bit into our, just our story, like as a church, like who we are and how did this church come to be? And the reason we wanted to tell our story is because this is sort of a transitional moment and you can kind of just feel the energy like in the world and in life and in church coming back together. And what we're wanting to do is tell our story as a way of reflecting like where is it that God might be wanting to take us in the next season? Uh, and one of the things I'm convinced of is the things that God wants to do with us now and in the future are the things that grow from the roots that happened when we came together as a church. You know, like, like why, are, why are we worship people here at the Vineyard? If you were here last week, you, you know a little bit why we're worship people. We're worship people here at the Vineyard because this church started as a home group in Dick and Diane Salmon's house, and it began as a prayer meeting for two sisters who had cancer. And the very next thing that grew out of that was the impulse to worship God. Like from the very beginning here at the Vineyard, we've had this, we've had this instinct, this reflex to worship God and to minister to people. Like why, why are we the way we are? Well, it's because 
This is who we've always been. And, and what will we be in the future? Well, we're going to be people who preach the kingdom of heaven, who pray for the sick, uh, who worship God extravagantly, who share life together, uh, who, who look out for the least and the lost and those who are on the edges and have no hope. That's who we are. And the reason we are that is because that's who we've been. That's the thing that God made us to be in the beginning. Does this make sense? So that's what we're doing here in February. And then in March, we're going to do a series uh, in fact, I'm going to kick it off next week, but starting next week and then into March, we're going to do a series here about like Holy Spirit ministry for every single believer. Like, how do we just listen to God? How do we pray for people? How do we, how do we know what our gifts are uh, from the Holy Spirit? How do we employ them? How do we, how do we do it and not be weirdos? Like, how do we, how do we, how do we share the gifts of the kingdom uh, with, with the people that we meet wherever we're at and how do we do it in a way that's like relational and, and, and actually invites people in. So that's what we're going to do. And in March, just uh, by way of commercial, uh, our very good friend, Ted Kim from Chicago is going to be here with us March 13th. So you want to be here, right? Like we're going to, we're going to dig into, why are we going to do this stuff about the Holy Spirit? Because that's who we've always been. That's just who we are. Um, but as a way of doing that, and as a way of maybe jumping off of some of what we talked about last week, uh, I feel compelled to talk to you this morning. I feel compelled to talk to you this morning about two kinds of generosity. And these are the, these are the sorts of generosity that are going to help us be who we are and help us go from this moment to the next season here at the church and do it in a way uh, that, that really that resonates with, with our, our real and true DNA. So, Seth, why don't we do this? I just want to read Galatians 6. Uh, 1 through 10, and then we're going to back up and do some stuff, all right? Uh, so this is the Apostle Paul. He's talking to the church or churches in Galatia, and uh, he says this in chapter 6. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. You might want to underline that. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself. You are not that important. <laughs> I, love the, I love the NLT in that, right? You are not that important. Thank you. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Verse 6, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. I want to talk to you about two kinds of generosity. Because it's part of our story, it's part of our history, but also because it's an important piece of our future. Uh, the first thing I want to say before we maybe pull the text apart a little bit this morning is I just want to start 
all the way down at the bottom and all the way at the roots. Like when we're thinking about generosity, we have to start here. Um, God is generous. Like why would, why would anybody be generous or, or why would we hope to be generous or why is generosity a big piece of the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's because God himself uh, is generous. Uh, one of the things I want us to know here at the Vineyard is that God is not stingy. Uh, God is not tight-fisted. Uh, God is not closed off. And if you remember our series uh, from Matthew chapter 13, when we were looking at the parables, the opening parable that Jesus tells goes something like this. There's a farmer and he goes out and he sows seed. And do you remember that parable? He sows seed on what kind of ground? All the ground, like a uh, hard path, uh, stony ground. He sows it on the thorns and he sows it on the good soil. And there's a lot of things that are happening in that story. But one of the things that most deeply touches me about that story is that God is the, is the type of God who will take good seed and he'll just scatter it everywhere. Like he's, he's not the kind of God who will just like save his seed for good ground. He'll even sow it on ground that maybe, maybe won't even produce anything, right? Why? Because, because he, knows, he knows that even hard ground has cracks and a seed can fall in. But he also knows this, he's got so much seed, he doesn't have to be tight, tight-fisted with it. God is generous. It's one of the things we learn from Jesus' storytelling. We see it all the time. Uh, this week, I was reading an article in The Atlantic, and it was, talking about, it was just talking about the, the place that we sit in the universe. And I was reading this little article, and it says that Right now, astronomers estimate that there's around 170 billion galaxies in the observable universe. That's in the observable universe. We can observe 170 billion galaxies stretching out over a radius of 45.7 billion light years. And they, they assume that, that maybe those, those galaxies have way over 100 trillion stars. God is like generous, like he sows seed on all kinds of ground. And when he sets about creating the universe, whatever it is, it's the universe is not, the, the universe is not anything if it's not abundant. It, there's, there's something about this world we live in. There's something about the cosmos where God has just like, he has sown hundreds and hundreds of trillions of galaxies and stars. And how many of you know if there's that many stars and galaxies out there, there's just something else probably going on that we don't know about, right? Like, what are we talking about here? I don't know. I think there's something going on out there. And it comes from God's generative, generous heart. But God is, um, he's, not just, he's not just a quantity guy. He's also a quality guy. Um, this is probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible, but we all know it, right? John chapter 3 Verse 16 says, for this is how God loved the world. Uh, he gave his only son so that everybody who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I want you to notice a couple things uh, this morning uh, that God gives the son. And is there anything more precious than the son? It, well, isn't it interesting that when God sets about to like display his love, the display of his love comes out of his generative heart. Like, why do we want to be generous? Because God is generous and he doesn't just give he doesn't just give out of overflow, but he gives that which is most precious to him. But the second part of John 3.16 that I want you to notice this morning is this. 
I want you to notice the trade that God is willing to make. He says, he says, anybody who believes or trusts in him, just take that word belief and throw it out. Put the word trust. It's a better word. Anybody who trusts in him, what does that even mean? Uh, how many of you know you never, you never fully or perfectly trust God, right? God will take your imperfect, your feeble and your weak trust and what will he exchange it for? Eternal life. God is generous in that he gives the most precious thing, but he's also generous in that he will take the weakest thing from you and give you that which is most precious. This is who God is. God is generous. Not only that, but we're made in his image. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Let's put this up, Seth. This is the very beginning of the Bible. It says this, God said, let us make human beings. I love this, in our image. Little echoes of the Trinity there. But isn't it interesting that from the very beginning when God set about to make people, people like me and you, he made us in his image. And that means that there's something about us that's like him. There's something about God's nature and, and heart that is like him. And, and part of what it means for us, at least in this context this morning, is this, you and I can be generous. Like the, the, the human inclination to, to hold back, that's actually something we can we can break through. The human inclination to think, oh, maybe we won't have enough. We can actually break through. Uh, the human inclination to see the world in terms of scarcity, we can actually break through that and we can, we can enter into God's perspective, which is abundance. Second thing I want to say this morning to the church is this. Is there anything more attractive than generosity? Just think about meeting a generous person. Have you ever met somebody who's like really generous and go, man, there's just something good coming off of that person. You ever notice that? Uh, conversely, is there anything more repulsive than stinginess? It's just almost unbearable, isn't it? It's like, wow, is there anything more attractive? Uh, I read an article this week in uh, Nature, and it actually linked over to this like, scholarly report thing from a journal, like one of those double-blind things. I didn't read the whole thing. I just read the abstract. <laughs> I read the article in Nature, and then I clicked over on the footnotes, and then I just read the abstract because I ain't got time to read all that stuff. You know, footnotes, whatever. But, but here's, here's what this article in Nature showed this week about giving and generosity. It said this. Uh, it said that the people who gave themselves to generosity four weeks in a row, if you gave yourself to generosity, and by this, by giving yourself to generosity, here's basically what the study was set up to do. The study was, if you would do something for someone else two or three times a week for four weeks, they went back and they measured the two groups, the, the group that gave and the group that did not. And the group that gave was measurably more happy and satisfied in their life. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Generosity actually like touches our emotions. There's like a, a feedback loop in our biology that gives us like good feelings, like makes us feel better about life. It improves our perspective like on the world and where we're at and how we feel about it just by being a giver, just by being a giver. Uh, one of my favorite podcasters, Rich Roll, he has, a, he has a saying that he often says on his podcast. He says, mood follows action. It's true, actually. You know, mood follows action. Be a giver, all of a sudden, your mood changes. Be stingy, be tight-fisted, there's a mood that'll follow that action too. 
Okay, we read some text this morning out of Galatians chapter 6. But Seth, can you put up Galatians chapter 6, verse 7? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Uh, this is a famous shouting verse. Like if you're a preacher, this is one of those verses that preachers like to shout at churches. God will not be mocked. Yeah, uh, it's one of those. Like you haven't grown up in church until a preacher shouted this at you. I'm not going to shout it. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. But Paul says, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Uh, preachers like to shout it. I'm not going to do that. But I do want to talk to you about the realities this morning of the two kinds of generosity that this shouting verse is planted in the middle of, okay? And it's kind of surprising. And in fact, when I was looking at the text this week, I was like, this is such a weird thing for Paul to hold together, these two things. Uh, if, we zoom, if we zoom out a bit from this verse, uh, we'd have to admit that the flow in the first 10, ten verses here in Galatians chapter 6 Uh, is really odd. So let me just give you a highlight of what we read earlier. Uh, Paul says to the church, okay, look, if somebody is overcome by sin, uh, you who are godly should uh, humbly and gently restore that person. And then in in verse six, Paul abruptly shifts gears and he says that the people who receive ministry and are a part of the church they should, they should support the church, and he's talking about finances. Like I even read N.T. Wright, N.T. Wright, famous archbishop, bishop of Durham, like all the credentials. He's like, yeah, Paul's definitely talking about money there, you know? And he, then, he's, then he goes on and he starts talking about sowing and reaping. And on the surface, if you read those 10 verses, you're like, this is really odd. But there's a frame, there's a frame that causes these verses to make some sense. And leaning into the life of the spirit, I think, is, is, is this. It's fundamentally generous, and that is the frame that fits around these 10 verses. So in the first four verses, it's the generosity of mercy, kindness, restoration, and discipleship. Paul says, if, 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 you, if you come up on somebody who's overcome by sin, you who are godly should humbly and gently restore that brother or sister. He's talking, about, he's talking about being generous in mercy, kindness, restoration, and discipleship. And then in verse 6 and 7, he's talking about money and finances. Like if you're a part of the community of faith, you should support the community of faith. And this all grows out of chapter 5 where Paul says, you know what? If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap decay and death. But if you sow to the spirit, you'll, re- you'll reap life. You know, fruits of the spirit, that kind of stuff. So here's what I want to talk about just for a second. I want to talk about mercy, kindness, restoration, and discipleship, that first kind of generosity. It's the first kind of generosity that we want to, we want to embody here at the vineyard. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 2. Let's put this up, Seth. Jesus says the exact same thing that Paul says in Galatians 6, 1 through 4. He says it in Matthew 7, 2. He just uses some different words. He says, for, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. It's not really a bathroom mirror verse, is it? It's not, it's just, it's, it, you know, it's not the one we go to, you know, it's not, I can do all things. It's just, we, you know, it's, it's, it's got a different ring to it. 
That Jesus. But I love, I love what Jesus says here, and especially when we put it with what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 6 about people who have been overcome by sin or people who have fallen down, people who've stumbled, people who are weak, maybe people like me and you. One of the things I've learned after doing this Jesus thing for a few years is that people get into all kinds of places in their lives. People get into all kinds of places. And you know what? Most of the time they don't plan on it either. Let me just talk to you about sin here for a second, okay? Like people screw their lives up and they normally don't set out in the morning to screw their lives up. You know, I mean, it happens. And, you know, it happens on accident. It happens for all kinds of reasons, you know. And, and sometimes we just, we get carried away. We make one stupid decision and then we like make another stupid decision. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, three, four months later, you're, you're maybe in a, in a place or a position you never imagined that you could be. And here's what I want to say to, to this body. I want to say this, that here at the Vineyard, we want to be a church that offers mercy. You know, I want to do Galatians chapter one, uh, chapter six, one and two. I want to do like, I want to, I want the godly to restore those who have been overcome by sin. Uh, Paul says in verse two, like bear each other's burdens. You know, that's a kind of generosity. We actually have to sow into that church. And, and when we say, when we say being a church that offers mercy, we're not talking about like a cheap grace or a blind eye, but, but we're talking about mercy and grace that helps a person back on the right path. There's a generosity that exudes from kingdom people. And how many of you know this, that when you get in the middle of it with people who are hurting, there's a price to pay. Anybody, anybody ever got in the middle of it with somebody who screwed their life up? How many of you know they pay a price, but as soon as you get in the middle of it with them, you'll start paying a price. Yeah. What are, what are some of the prices you pay if, if you want to be that kind of a generous person? Uh, well, here's some of the prices you'll pay. Number one, reputation. Uh, here's what you do. Uh, find somebody in Campbellsville, uh, somebody who's in your family, somebody you work with, somebody you go to school with, somebody maybe here at church who in the last six months has blown their life up and really done a great job of it. Start hanging out with that person and guess what other people will assume about you. Uh, by the way, this is what they did with Jesus, right? He eats with sinners. He eats with sinners. Like, if, if you begin to get in the middle of it with people who have blown their life up, it'll cost you your reputation. Like, part of that generosity, part of what you're giving away, thank you, Rowan, is, is that bit of reputation. The second thing that you'll give, get away and you have to become generous and open-handed with is your time. And then if you get in the middle of it with people who have blown themselves up, man, how many of you know it's just emotionally draining sometimes? Like, you know, somebody just... Gosh, it's like, wow, hearing the story, hearing the thing again, and just like we're doing the story thing again. You know, it's just, it can be emotionally draining. But here's what we want to do here at the Vineyard. We want to be those people. We want to be people who spend reputation, who spend time, and who spend our emotional energy because people need a way to come back to God. And then likewise, Paul talks about money. Paul says, that the people who are taught should support the teachers. Today, we'd probably say that different. The members should support the ministry. And part of our discipleship has to do with, with money and it has to do with giving. It's not just, it's not just uh, being generous in our heart or being generous with things uh, that have to do with forgiveness, but it's generous with, with money and giving as well. Uh, Christians have always been givers. And we can just work this straight from 
God the Father. The Father gave the Son, uh, the Son gave his life. The early believers gave away all their possessions. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Uh, the early church, man, if you needed something, they, just, they would sell their property that you'd have enough. And it's, you, you talk about radical. You talk about radical. Like, like whatever, whatever Christianity is, in its roots, it's radical. And I mean that in the most radical sort of way that it can be. Like, like believers have always been those who were open-handed with money and possessions. That's just always what believers have been. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, Paul's receiving like offerings for the church in Jerusalem. He's going around to all of his churches and he's talking to the Corinthians. He's like, hey guys, y'all need to give your offering because the Macedonians who are the poorest, they've given everything that we might take something to the original believers back in Jerusalem. Like it's just always been a part of the Christian story. And then he goes on to say, that both of these things, both, both restoring a weak brother or giving money and finances, it works on this cycle of planting and harvest. He uses this metaphor, planting and harvest. Uh, you want corn? You plant corn. Uh, you, want, you want beans? You plant beans. And uh, what Paul would also say to the Galatians and to us is this. If you want a vibrant church where the life of the Spirit is on display and available for everyone, you plant mercy and you sow money. I want to talk to you for a second about the radical middle. Uh, here in the vineyard, we often talk about existing in what we call the radical middle. In the radical middle, uh, it's, it's been a theological statement. It's been a, a theological statement of sorts. It, it means that we are taking up this space between what you might call evangelicalism and just whatever it is to be a Bible church. I don't know that that word evangelical means anything anymore, but maybe whatever it did mean. So that radical middle space between evangelicalism and Pentecostalism, uh, the, vineyard, the vineyard lives in dynamic tension. It lives in the middle of those two things. And, and I think that that theological frame shows up here in this text as well. Paul says that kingdom generosity, well, it's, it goes into that category that we sometimes would call spiritual. And I'm using air quotes for those who are listening on the podcast. Uh, he says it's forgiveness it's discipleship, it's restoration, it's mentoring, all those things that we would call spiritual. But isn't it interesting that he doesn't stop there? He also says that kingdom generosity is practical and it has to do with things like money and strategy and being smart and making sure that things go ahead and go on. It's the radical middle. Uh, here at the Vineyard, we want to hold those things together. The kingdom touches both. I want to talk to you here just for a second about what we want, what we're hoping for. Paul says at the end there, he says, you have to sow what you want. So it'd be good to name what we want. Well, here at the vineyard in general, what we want is the life of the spirit. But specifically, here's some things we're after right now. Uh, we want to preach good news to the whole city. That's what we want to do. Like, why does this church exist? We want to preach good news to the whole city. Uh, we want to preach good news to the poor. Uh, we want to preach good news to the down and out. We want to preach good news to the up and out. Uh, we want to preach good news to the sick, to the hurting, to those who are on the outside. Uh, we also want to preach good news uh, to those who are on the inside. Uh, we want to preach good news to the whole 
city. That's what we exist for here at the Vineyard. Uh, number two, uh, we want to be a house of praise, y'all. Uh, we want to be a place where the people of God can come together and sing the praises of God in the presence of God. Like, like the thing that gets me up in the morning is to hear the church uh, just sing the praises of God like we did this morning. There's something that happens there that, that you can't get any other way. Like part of what we want here at the Vineyard is we want to be a house of praise. We want to, we want to preach the kingdom to the whole city, but we want to be a house of praise. Uh, we want to see people be trained and equipped to, to live out of their gifts, whatever that is. Uh, we want to train you to live out of your gifts and to serve from overflow. Uh, number four, uh, we want to see chains of sin broken off of people. Uh, I just, I'm becoming more and more animated by this, by this language in particular. Uh, I just need everybody in the room to know sin is real. It ruins people's lives. You cannot escape it with willpower. You cannot escape it with, with just wanting to do better. You can't make promises to yourself and escape sin. You can't write it in your journal and escape sin. The only way you can break free from sin is to trust Jesus. Literally, that's it. It is the only way to break free from sin is to run into the arms of Jesus. And I want to see people who are just bound uh, in the chains of sin find real freedom, real freedom. By the way, uh, so much of what is becoming culturally appropriate is killing us is killing us and Jesus wants to set us free from it. And this is a place where no matter who you are or what you're into, you can come and find freedom. That's what we want. That's what we want. And then to be very specific about the moment we're in this year, let me just name some things that I named last week because I want to name them again. Uh, we want to see our children cared for. We want to see our children. How many of y'all know there's a lot of kids around here? Yeah. Uh, we, we want to... We want them to receive the good news of Jesus. And then we want, to make, we want to make a place for more kids. And interestingly, interestingly, that requires generosity of heart uh, in the area of discipleship, but it also, requires, it also requires money, just like I talked to you about last week. Uh, we have to hire a new children's pastor. And next week, we're going to receive our big give offering, and 100% of that offering is going to go to hiring a new kids pastor. And here's, here's what we want to do here at the Vineyard. We want to receive enough money next week to make a hire for a very, very solid uh, part-time kids worker here at the Vineyard. And we think it's going to take 40 to 50,000 bucks to do that. We might even have to relocate someone from another part of the country to come be a part of our church. Uh, Andrew, Dusty, and I, we're the little, we're the little home human resources team. I said that last week and I hadn't even told Dusty. I've, I've just, rec I've recruited Dusty and it was really bad. <laughs> Dusty, you need to Galatians chapter one, verse chapter six, one and two me, please forgive me. I'm a weak brother, but we, we want, we want, we got to make that higher. It, it's, it's time. And it's going to take all of us doing what we can. All right, so what do we do? I'm going to wrap right here. What do we do? Uh, if you want to lean into these two kinds of generosity, what do you do? Uh, number one, you make a plan. Got to make a plan. I've I found that having a plan actually enables generosity of all varieties. And I've found that if I don't have a plan, I, it's hard to be generous in any way whatsoever. 
Um, uh, I have a, I, I don't know about you, but I need a plan with my money. I'll just talk about money for a second. How many of you know that you can want to be generous, but unless you have a plan to be generous, it probably won't happen because life is complicated. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Uh, I have to be, I have to have a plan with my money. Uh, I also need a plan with my discipleship. And this is something I've been telling you guys for the last year over and over again. Uh, no one accidentally becomes like Jesus. Uh, you got to have a plan to be like Jesus. Like nobody falls down the stairs and then stands up and like, well, I'm like the Lord. <laughs> you, you have to have a plan. Uh, and in the, in, the area, in the area of giving, I'll just tell you, like I have to have a plan with my money on all kinds of ways. Like how many of y'all have like a 401k? You plan for your retirement, right? How many of you know you, don't, you will not accidentally end up with a retirement? It, it just doesn't happen. I got a little 401k. Then I got this other thing called acorns. Anybody know what acorns is? Acorns is so flipping brilliant. I love acorns. It's like a little app on your phone. You can connect it to your bank account. And every time you swipe, it rounds up. It takes the, you know, whatever was lacking in the dollar and it rounds it up and it just shoves it into like a little mutual fund. I've been doing that for years. All of a sudden my acorn has couple acorns in it. <laughs> but I do the same thing when it comes to giving for the church. I just automate it. How many of y'all know that, you know, the little text to give thing, you can text to give. And if you follow that deeper on your phone, you can find a place where you just says like automate, dude, automate it. You want to be generous. You want to be generous towards the church. If this is your place, I would suggest automating it. Why? Because it'll help you be generous. Otherwise, otherwise life happens. You'll be like, and it just evaporates. That's what money does. Money just like it's that, you know, when LeBron starts the game and he puts the chalk and he goes, that's money. That's my money. I see. I don't know. But then you also have to have a plan to be a disciple. You know, you have to have a, you don't, you won't act in the same way that you won't accidentally end up with a retirement. You won't accidentally become a disciple of Jesus. You got to have a plan. I have a little, I have a little app on my phone and it, it, it like shoots me like a, a tiny bit of scripture every morning. And most mornings I read it. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, sometimes I don't. Most mornings I read it. Uh, I have like a, how many of y'all have one of those little one line journals? Anybody have a one line journal? I suggest it. There's a thing called the one line journal. And if you take a one line journal, you will begin to become reflective about your life. You can just It'll give you a little prompt and you can write something about the day before. And it, it's weird how becoming reflective on your life and like reading a little scripture first thing in the morning, all of a sudden the words of the kingdom are like in your head and you're, you're changing like your brain wiring to become more aware of what's happening in your life. This is what it takes to be a disciple. I, I hire a spiritual director. I pay 60 bucks a month and I talk to someone on Zoom about what's happening, about what's happening in my life. And it's wild. It's wild. Like for the first five months that you have a spiritual director, basically you think I'm throwing my money. It, this is dumb. What am I doing? We talk for an hour about nothing, right? And then this magical thing happens at about month six, seven, and eight, your spiritual director will say back to you, Hey, I've noticed some patterns in your life. Uh, I think maybe God is doing X, Y, and Z. And you're like, oh my goodness, I've been living my life completely unaware of my life, right? You have to make a plan to become like Jesus. You have to make a plan. Notice what Paul says at the beginning of Galatians 6. Those who are godly, gently and humbly, humbly help those overcome sin. Uh, you have to make a plan. If you're going to become someone who's that kind of a disciple, 
who's, who, can be, who can be called godly, and then who, number two, knows how to gently and humbly restore someone? How many of you know that takes planning? Yeah, it does. Uh, Paul says in verse two, Seth, can we put this up, chapter six, verse two? I've been thinking about this verse. This is the one that's been like with me all week. There it is. Nope. I don't know how that came up. Okay, here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter six, verse two. Paul says, Paul says, share each other's burdens. Share each other's burdens. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you know that sharing only comes by connection? You cannot share burdens that you don't know about. And you cannot know about burdens unless there's a connection. You gotta connect to get the, to even have the knowledge, right? How many of you know you need a plan to connect? Like you can come here to the vineyard for three years. You could sit here, maybe you sing some songs, but not make any connection. And then no one knows your burdens and you don't know anyone's burdens. And the thing that Paul's talking about, this generous overflow, it can't happen. It can't happen. A few months ago, a few months ago, someone called me and said, hey, I was in the hospital and you didn't come see me. And I was like, I didn't know you were in the hospital. Did you tell anyone? And the person said, no, I didn't know who to tell. I'm like, we can't help what we don't know, right? Right, yeah, it became a real great moment for both of us. Like, you gotta connect, that takes planning. Okay, uh, number two, number two, uh, you, wanna, you wanna make a plan for your discipleship, you wanna make a plan for your generosity with your money. Number two, you gotta give it time. Harvest doesn't happen in an instant. You don't put a seed in the ground and the next day it sprouted. That's not the way it works. The fruits of generosity grow slowly over time, just like seeds and yeast. It takes a while to get connected enough to know people and to start sharing burdens. The fruit of giving for you and for the church, it comes later, you know? If you, if you become a servant, if you start serving here at the Vineyard, if you get on hospitality team, if you serve in kids' church, if you start giving your money, uh, that's awesome. Way to make a plan. Now you got to give it time because the fruit in your life and the fruit for the church, it'll come later. It's one of the principles of the harvest. Sow what you want to reap. Reap later than you sow. Harvest more than you sow. So here's what I like to say this morning, church. It's time to sow. It's going to take all of us sowing energy, time, and money in this season for the season that's ahead. There's a season that's ahead, and it's going to require all of us to let go with generosity in all kinds of ways for us to be the kind of people we want to be and for us to have the kind of church we want to have. Uh, here's what I'd like to say to us very specifically. Uh, lean into generosity. Find a place to serve. Uh, find a place to share the burden. I, I would just like to challenge every single person here. Find a place to share the burden. I mean, maybe it's just to hold the door open on Sunday morning and say, welcome to the vineyard. You know, that's a big deal, especially for people who haven't come to the vineyard. They need a smiling face. Uh, maybe you need to make coffee or maybe you need to serve in kids church or maybe you need to host a home group or, or be a leader at a home group. Maybe you've been here for two and a half years and you just haven't found your spot. I'd like to say, find your spot, share the burden. And then finally, I'd like to say, um, I would like to just invite the church to give financially and see the things that God wants to do in the next moment here at the Vineyard. And there'll be an opportunity for you to do that next week and the week after as well. So next week, we're going to have our big giver offering. That's for children's pastor. But then ahead, ahead, uh, we're probably moving to two services again. It's been a minute. We're headed that way. Uh, this room this morning is pretty full. But here's the thing I need you to know. 
even though things work in this room, it's not working over there. Like this room right now, it's okay. That room is a nightmare. The kids' wing is a nightmare. We have to go to two services because the kids' workers, they need us to, right? And to go to two services means it's going to take more of us. That's the burden that needs to be shared. Amen? Amen. Okay, two kinds of generosity. These are the things that I think the Spirit is saying to us this morning, and uh, we want to lean in. Why don't you stand up? And if you're on the band, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.